This morning I'm going to do a little bit of teaching, but it's not about the teaching. It's all about experiencing God. There have been lots and lots of people praying for you in this service all week long. Not that you'd be blessed by the words that are shared or the songs that were sung, but that you would choose this day to reach out and touch God. And I want you to join with all of us who've been praying that way right now uh, in that prayer. Father God, I just pray that your spirit would move in us right now, this morning. Sometimes we don't even remember or recognize how much we need to touch you. You bid us come, and we do. May your spirit move in our midst as we seek your face this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're switching gears a little bit after the last uh, four weeks. Uh, They have been, Greg's messages have been so challenging, so profound and mind-boggling and radical and and dead center in terms of, of the whole basis of our message being a power under thing, just like Jesus exhibited in coming to earth and and giving his life for us. It's so powerful. And although they haven't been intended this way, and I know that from talking with Greg Boyd, uh, people took them as fairly political. So much so that uh, this past week, uh, just prior to the last sermon, as he he and I were walking in together, he said, Kev, this is the last one. I am ready to be done with what people take as political sermons. Well, we're not quite done yet. I figure since I have the opportunity, I can add my own two cents. So uh, here is the one political thing I'm going to say this morning, and then we'll move on. Are you ready? All right. My name is Kevin Johnson, and I endorse this message. (laughs) All right. Today is going to be all about worship. And we would do well to stop and think about what it is and, and why it's so important in our life. In some sense, we all, as we live our lives, are continually worshiping. We do it all the time. If worship is ascribing value or worth to something or someone, our very lives are an act of worship. So what does your life say about what you value? Some people... They value stuff. Now, they deny it if you ask them that. They're great people. But, you know, I've been in homes and, and watched people with their kids sometimes, and, and, and I saw how, how every interaction was designed to control or protect or cherish, not their kids, but their stuff, their possessions. Some people, if you just look at their life, you would say what they value What they ascribe the most worth to is their career. I had a friend who was contemplating a career move that would just be great. I mean, it was cherry. It was the thing he was dreaming for. It would set him on a path to just soaring with his large company. And I warned him that 
that particular promotion might have a devastating impact on his family. Just the nature of it. And they did it, did it anyway, and it did. But he would have shuddered prior to all that if I would have suggested that he was worshiping his career. Actions speak louder than words. We could go in several other places with this whole line of thought, but the point is this. Your life declares what you value. The old poet Bob Dylan, he got it right when he sang, you got to serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. So we are here today, and this service is all about recentering our lives and worshiping the one Creator God, who is a God of all power. And as Greg spoke about for the past four weeks, He chose love and coming in the person of Jesus and hum humbling Himself and, and, and serving and giving His life away and redeeming you and I. Life is worship. And we are here today to realign our lives, ourselves, with all that is good and right in this world, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, as we do that, with that kind of as the backdrop, as we do that, we experience a few different things, one of which is wonder. You ever recognize that it is a uniquely human ability to wonder, to say, wow, or if you're my teenage daughters, whoa, or my 10-year-old son, cool. This ability that we have to, to be amazed, to wonder, to marvel. It's the center of so much of what drives our humanity. Uh, Emerson says this, wonder is the seed of science. Think about that. Hold on to that for a second. Then consider what Arthur Whitefield says. He says this, philosophy begins in wonder. Here you have two very disparate disciplines. You've got the world of science, you've got the world of philosophy, and people are saying, you know what? They both begin with the same starting point. It's that human ability to go, wow! Albert Einstein, in an attempt to bring these two disciplines together, perhaps, wrote in a book the following, the fairest thing we can experience is the mysterious. He who knows it not, the mysterious, can no longer wonder, can no longer feel amazement, is as good as dead, a snuffed-out candle. Well, today, we light the fire. And as we do, we experience wonder. We experience what the Israelites wrote about in Exodus 15:11, when we read, Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who's like you? Who is like you, majestic in holiness and awesome in glory, working wonders? And to all that, we marvel. We stand in awe. The ways of God are mysterious. 
why he just doesn't in his almighty power wield the sword and put us in our place, but chooses to love and sacrifice for you and me, confounds the wisdom of this world. An awesome, all-powerful, holy God loves me and loves you. And he moves in me and he changes me. I am a worshiper. And this day, I will worship in wonder. Seated. You should know that at the end of the hour or toward the end of the hour, we're going to do one big, awesome worship set. So uh, it's coming. It's coming. We're just whetting your appetite. Um, One of the things I love about that song is it reminds me of a couple passages in Scripture. One is when Isaiah had his vision of God, and he saw God high and exalted, and, and, and he was surrounded by the cherubim and seraphim, these celestial beings who were continually saying, Holy, holy, holy is your name. And then in Revelation, uh, Scripture teaches that when we join in worship, like we're doing right now, uh, we, we join with the celestial beings that are continually outpouring praise to God. And there's something that, that we are involved in right now that is this huge cosmic event and pondering that we get to participate in that just kind of gives me goosebumps. Second thing I want to talk about today is is worship being warfare. Satan understands that we were made worshipers. Not we were made to worship. We were made worshipers. To be made to worship would imply that it's just something that we do, that we can turn it on or off like a light switch. It's not that way. We are human beings and uniquely created with a will. And with that will, you and I have a choice as to what we will value, what we will ascribe worth to, what we will live for, something or someone. We value, we invest, we serve, we worship. It's what we are, not what we do. When Jesus was about to begin his earthly ministry. He sensed this time of temptation coming where Satan was going to visit him and and tempt him and, and try to destroy him. And what was the temptation that Satan brought? Among other things, it was misplaced worship. Let's read the text in Luke chapter 4. The devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. For it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. So, if you worship me, it will all be yours. But Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. 
Incredible thing about that text is it emphasizes what we, we can't do in, in translating from the Greek or the Hebrew texts into English. The word worship and service, they were interchangeable. When he says worship and serve the Lord your God only, it's one word there. It's, they're, they're, almost, they're interchangeable. But the amazing thing is Jesus understood that worship is warfare because we are made worshipers. Satan will do anything he can to distract you this morning. That's why I have for this entire week been pouring my heart out to God saying, don't let that stand in the way for anyone experiencing God. Worship is warfare. Satan would love nothing better than to get your focus off of the one. Jesus understood this. You know what he did to to avoid succumbing to this temptation? It's remarkable. Jesus, he fasted 40 days and nights to prepare himself to stand strong against the strategy of the enemy to have him misdirect or misplace his worship. See, worship and life are one. And Satan's kind of figured out that that if he can mess with our worship, he's messing with our very life. Students of the Old Testament know what Jesus knew, that the history of Israel is nothing more than a tragic, tragic cycle that kind of went like this. God would bless them, and they'd have a period of prosperity. And then in the midst of that prosperity, somehow they would begin to misplace their worship, which would bring about calamity upon themselves. And then when it got bad enough, they would repent, and God would come with grace and forgive them and heal them, and and then, then there would be this period of prosperity again, followed by another season of, of misplaced worship. And when I read about God's heart for his people and how prone we are to wander instead of wonder, it just makes me ask whether we take seriously enough this issue of misplaced worship. And that's why we're here today. Not just doing what we're doing, but being what we are in Christ, worshipers of God alone. And when we do that, we are repelling the enemy. We are embracing his defeat wrought by Jesus Christ and aligning ourselves once again with God. Did you know that I found this week, in preparation for for this time, at least two references in the Old Testament where it's talking about the priests who would perform the services of worship for the entire Jewish community. The uh, The word for performing the service or doing the worship literally would be translated warring the warfare. A worshiping church is a warring church. So, I say we quit talking about it and be who we were made to be. Please have a seat one more time. 
And, um, you know, I, the hands thing, an old Swede like me, I can do that. I can actually clap on beat. The feet thing, I'm commanding them, but they didn't do. I mean, they were praising the Lord. They just didn't know what to do. <laughs> we're going to receive the offering at this time. And as we do that, I'd like to offer a word of prayer. Because, Lord God, we need you to take these gifts that are a part of our worship. And we need you to bless them. And boy, we, we need you to multiply them. And help us as a church body to make them effective for building your kingdom. That's what we long to do. So, Lord, we give joyfully, and we just ask you to bless these gifts as we do our best to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about worship being wonder. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, there's a great word in the Greek language for wonder. I, I, I am a seminary graduate. I took the Greek track sequence of classes while I was in seminary. Uh, I am proud to say I passed the classes, and we'll just leave it there. Um, I do remember two words from my Greek vocabulary. The first one is the, the first one I ever learned. It was on page one of, of my Greek first Greek text, and it's blepo. Isn't that great? Blepo. I remember that one. It's I see. Uh, but the only other word I remember from all the vocabulary I had to memorize, I, re I remember it just because I love it. It's what we're talking about today. It, it's, it's the Greek word for wonder and marvel and amazement. It's this, thaumadzo. That just kind of stuck with me as a cool word. I say it all the time. Thaumadzo. It means I marvel. Say it with me. Thaumadzo. I mean, it just kind of has the sounds of, of all those different words rolled up into one. So we're talking about wonder today directed toward God. We're talking about worship being warfare. Worship is also about witness. It's about declaring our thaumadzo of the glory of God and giving witness to that in any way we can. Some of us do the best we can to live our life for God here in St. Paul and in the surrounding communities. For others, life is worship means a much more dramatic shift in place and people. It means not so safe. It means leaving our familiar and cherished things behind to give witness with our life. Such is the case with Carl and Christian Anderbeck, who are our missionaries to Indonesia. And we have a video that we're going to show, and then I'm going to ask them to come up with Steve Schmidt and talk a little bit about their life of worship giving witness in Indonesia. They put this mic in a different place all the time, so it's always a hide-and-seek hide and kind of thing. Carl and Kristen have been with Woodland Hills Church since its very beginning. In 1999, we commissioned them and sent them out as missionaries to Southeast Asia. And they spent four years there learning the language, learning the culture, 
learning about what it's like to be in Southeast Asia. Um, they've been on furlough for the past year in Minnesota and going around to the churches that supported them and being here at Woodland Hills. And in six weeks, they returned to Indonesia for another four-year term. Um, Kristen. If you're wondering where Indonesia is, there's a map in your bulletins. And um, it's, we work in one of the most unreached areas in the whole world. And you can drive for hundreds and hundreds of miles and see scores of mosques but you won't see any churches or any Bibles, any believing Christians. Um, we've been so, so blessed by you standing with us the last four years. We, we encounter some serious oppression there. You definitely don't sense the spirit of Jesus there, and we just have relished your prayers. And we need your help for the next four years over, overseas. Would you stand with us? Would you imagine Indonesians with God's word? Please visit us at our table in the gathering area. We've got brochures, mission trip information, uh, sign-ups for our newsletter or our email update where you can get prayer requests up to the minute, as well as a flyer for a picnic we're hosting on June 19th. One final word. It's hard for us and our kids to leave home, as you can imagine. It's hard to miss Woodland Hills and all the things that God is doing here. But we do it because we can imagine multitudes of Indonesians joining us for the ultimate worship service Amen. in heaven. Amen. We're not going to let them off the stage that easy. We want to pray for them this morning. If you'd like to join me on stage and lay hands on them, if you can make your way up here quickly, that would be great. You know, your worship team can come too if you feel called. I know you feel like you're left out back there sometimes, <laughs> sitting in the dark. But If you care to, please stretch forth a hand and bless them from the audience too. Um, please stop by and see them. This couple has given up a lot to do what God's called them to do. Stop by and uh, encourage them at their table and be part of their team if God leads you. Father, I thank you for Carl and Kristen. I thank you for their two children the four of them that you've called out to Southeast Asia. Mm. Father, they go not just as husband and wife, but they go as a family. A family that's been called by you to set aside the comforts and the pleasures and the families in Minnesota and to go forth in Jesus' name. Father, help us as a church, as Woodland Hills, to be their strength, to be their support, and to be there not only when they need us, but to be there all the time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 If life is worship, and it is, then worship is witness. It has to be. Because as we live our life, we will give witness to what we value. You have no idea how much what Anderbecks are doing humbles me. I want so much for my life here to express the same sacrifice and devotion, worship, as theirs in Indonesia. 
And I want my life here to express devotion to God in the same way that my words do in these services. One of the good things about Woodland Hills is we're just not a church of pretenses. So I can stand up here and be real. And I can tell you that sometimes I'm flying and other times I'm flailing. I'm like one of my wings is clipped and I'm just spinning in circles. That's part of the story. It's like it was for the Israelites. But, and I need your help here, but God is good. All the time, God is good. All the time, amen. It is to His faithfulness, His loving beauty, His awesome grace that we give witness this morning. He is beautiful beyond description. He is too marvelous for words. And to anyone who's visiting with us today, please know this. We're a bit odd at Woodland Hills. We just are. Our weekend services are a little different than perhaps you've experienced. And we are an ever-increasingly diverse group of people from all different walks of life. And some of us have our acts together for the time being. Some of us don't. Some of us are in the midst of putting the pieces back together and some of us don't even know that we've lost them. But God is good all the time and He is doing an amazing work in our lives. Sometimes I just feel like like the blind man in the Gospels who Jesus healed and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, call him on the carpet and they're giving a, a dressing down saying, hey, what's up with this? You can't be healed on the Sabbath. And he said, you know, enough all your fault are all. I know this. Once I was blind, but now I see. It's, it's, it's those two Greek words, the only two I remember. Blepo, I see. Thaumazo, I marvel. In Acts chapter 2, it was the time of Pentecost, which meant God-fearers. Those were the people who weren't Jewish by descent, but they wanted to follow the God of the Jews. They, they were called God-fearers, and they came from every people and tribe and tongue. Uh, Acts chapter 2 says that people from many nations and different tongues had gathered together for Pentecost and then they bumped into this crowd of Galileans who were worshiping the Lord, Jesus Christ. And they were the people who, who were from these other nations and tribes and tongues. They were amazed. They asked, are not these men who are speaking Galileans? And shall we say uneducated Galileans? How is it then that each of us hears them speaking in our own native language? And then it goes on to say in verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now we often marvel at the miracle of, of these uneducated, unschooled Galileans being able to preach or, or, or declare the wonders of God or speak at all in, in some other tongue that they had never studied and that it was intelligible to the people who had come into Jerusalem. 
But the part we, want, we sometimes miss is how they were just giving witness by what? Declaring the wonders of God. So then Peter finally stood up and, and said to all these people from all these different groups, saying, you know what, let me just tell you what this is all about. These wonders that we're declaring, let me tell you about Jesus and what he did. And 3,000 people were added to the church that day. So to our visitors this morning, I, I just say our prayer is that you will understand who and why we worship. The who? Jesus Christ. The why? Because he is good. And he loves us. And he saves. He redeems. He restores. He forgives. He heals. So to that extent, we just invite you with the rest of the time that we have to join with us however you are able Remember, worship is about wonder. It's also about warfare. Don't let Satan win this one. Today is the day to align your life with Jesus. Lord, we love you. And our heart, our desire is to see the nations worship you. You are so good. May our sacrifice of praise be pleasing to you. All right, stand with me and let's worship. All right, we don't really stop now because life is worship. And even though our service must conclude, our praise of God does not. So go in peace, be blessed. Uh, the altar is open if people want to come forward to meet with prayer counselors. If you want to come up and talk to me about the joy that we've been expressing, the wonder of God, I'd love to talk with you. Thank you for being with us. God is good. All the time. All the time. Go in peace. Be blessed.